Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we are happy you're spending some time with us on a Monday. Wow, a wild and woolly recap Monday, Zay. I am uh, I'm down here at the University of Texas. Uh, Jalen Ford still had not yet made his way to the player interviews, but obviously a lot of conversation today about the, uh, the 31-10 win over Wyoming, uh, a game that was 10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter offense. Um, well, there were a lot of reasons why Texas uh, got off to the slow start offensively, um, including the fact that Wyoming decided to rush three, drop eight, uh, and not allow Texas to hit those big plays that they did against Alabama and just make them grind, Zay. And um, and then you combine that with Quinn Ewers not being as sharp as he's been. A um, couple of receiver drops. Uh, Sark maybe not calling the play he should have called when they had that punt return from Xavier Worthy in the first quarter that set him up at the Wyoming 38. They had first down at the Wyoming 19, um, ended up with only a field goal. But um, man, talk about the fourth quarter, though, Zay, 21 to zip. Uh, second straight game with 21 points in the fourth quarter. Suddenly, Sark's team is a finishing punisher in the fourth quarter. Uh oh. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. What uh what say you about Texas as a resurgent now fourth quarter team? Um, yeah, pros and cons. I mean You buying guys, selling? Um I'm buying, but I don't like what I saw in the first three quarters. Now you got to salute Wyoming. You know, they did a great job sticking to the game plan. Coach Ball, he ain't no, you know, he ain't no joke. The guys won national championships on the lower level. Like the guy could coach a little bit. So, yeah, I think Texas, I don't think they detoxed well from the Alabama win. That rat poisoning, you could tell it was still in some of those guys' systems. And Sark even said it, you know, after the post game. Hey, fellas, like people were still congratulating me tonight on the Alabama win last week. Like, don't you know we already we got another game? Like, that's crazy to me. Whatever fan you are, which I get it, Texas. We haven't been here a while, but yo, game time. Well, who you congratulating? We don't need that stuff. They got a whole nother game ahead of them. And yeah, this Longhorn team, they started off really slow and then it just maintained that way until the fourth quarter. And you think about just controlling the game, Wyoming, 38 minutes to Texas is 21. Like, that's huge. And, Chip, we've talked about it ever since you and I started this show with the new rules in college football. When you get those first downs and that clock continues to tick, teams that know they aren't as talented, if they're moving the ball, they're going to take their sweet-ass time. And that's what you saw in the third quarter for Wyoming's first drive. I mean, 10 minutes, 20-something seconds, like – 
Texas didn't even have a chance to get the ball to make that adjustment in the second half. It had to come in the fourth quarter. So that worries me a little bit. But at the end of the day, we saw in week three of college football, especially in the Big 12, a lot of teams got got. And this Texas Longhorn team, they're rolling in the Waco 3-0. So, like I told the homie Trey Ellen on Friday, on uh, Saturday after the post or after the game, during the post game, if we would say before the season, Texas is 3-0 going into Waco, everybody would take it. No matter how it looked, knowing that you beat Bama and won those two other games, Rice and Wyoming, you would take 3-0 because that means you're just getting dubs. And even though it was very ugly on Saturday, the only thing that wasn't ugly was CDC's light show and all of that performance at the stadium. That was absolutely fire. But, yeah, Quinn Ewers looked like 2022. Quinn Ewers, Sark, the play calling looked a lot like 2022. Just the complete 180 from what we saw, excuse me, in Tuscaloosa. And that's a little worrisome. Plus, a couple of guys got hurt, but. Again, Texas is 3-0, and and, hey, you can't ask for more if you look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you look you look at um, Quinn Ewers. Let's start there because he called the players-only meeting on Tuesday to make sure that guys were not getting complacent. And then he comes out, does not have the game – he wants to have against Wyoming. In fact, it was his third lowest completion percentage as a Longhorn. And the other two lowest completion percentages were against Oklahoma State and TCU last year. Yikes. So it was not, but it was weird because he opens one of six passing. And that includes the two deep shots to JT Sanders in the end zone that were covered. He should have, you know, Sark. And I think that's where Sark was like, that's, that's my fault. And then he does on the 17 play drive that spans the end of the first quarter into the second quarter that Byron Murphy catches the touchdown. Quinn was six of six passing on that drive. And then he comes out and there were a couple drops by on back-to-back plays by Jonte Cook and Jordan Winnington. But then in the third quarter, he misses Worthy wide open on second and six. And that was the pass that I was like, what was that? And, you know, it's interesting. You, uh, you talk to, you know, different um, coaches and they talk about how Quinn Ewers, you know, has his, his, his mechanics. He's so into these off-platform throws that there's a lack of attention to detail about his mechanics throw in and throw out. And I think that gets him, Zay. And look, I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. Baylor's not going to have Blake Shapin this week. This Sawyer Robertson from Mississippi State is not – the answer he's completing like 50% of his passes. He's thrown big interceptions at the wrong time. Cost him the Utah game. The Baylor team looks like a team that's trying to learn how to win again. You know, that, that win over long Island 
Saturday was that that snapped a six game losing streak for Bears. Six games. Yo, come on, Dave. Like you throw in the fact that one of those six was to Texas State at home by double digits to G.J. Kinney. Mm. Yo, don't sleep on Texas State. They put up like 70 something this weekend. So those boys can score. JT Finley and GJ Kenny, baby, watch out. Watch out. They're dealing. They're dealing. Yeah. But Baylor, you know, Baylor will play their butts off. They'll, they'll, just like they did against Utah, they'll scratch and claw. And in Texas is going to, you know, but they, Texas should win by a couple touchdowns at the least with this Baylor team that I'm looking at because they can't stop the runs, eh? Yeah. They yeah. Can't that, stop the run. Yeah. And that's what was promising on Saturday. You know, the Horns finally got their run game together. You know, you kind of worry about Cole Hudson missing a few weeks with that leg injury. It looked a lot worse than a few weeks, by the way. Like that looked like it could have been a season ender. But yeah, DJ Campbell, he's going to be getting probably all the reps now and we talked about it going into this game that's just what we haven't seen yet we haven't seen the run game get established and I thought they should have went to it more in the first half and the third quarter when they could I mean look I get it Wyoming they got a whole bunch of tough corn-fed dudes that instead of lifting weights these guys are lifting hay and putting on the you know chest or the shoulder uh, 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 the life vest and carrying the trucks and doing all that stuff just just real old school stuff and they showed that they played their ass off like you knew they were gonna bring it this is the same team that was down 17-0 to texas tech and came back and won that game so that again bowl he ain't no chump he had his team ready and again this is the second time in three weeks chip that sark comes out saying oh we had no idea they were gonna do that to us we had no clue what we saw on film they were gonna flip on us and it's like yo isn't that the 411 of coaching like you know what you don't do well at so usually when you go into game sark and you're scouting these other teams don't you try to see what they don't do well at so you could implement that a little bit to your defense so that's that's odd like i i didn't like it when he said it about rice when they had all those sacks and the offensive line was confused and i damn sure don't like it here in week three when you're about to go up to waco and start your big 12 run so that that just he needs to just stop saying that i'd rather just not hear it because at the end of the day you gotta be prepared for everything and that doesn't look good it doesn't sound good and yeah it's just At least they figured out the run game in the second half. That's a part of the second half adjustments that we've been just getting on Sark about these last two years. At least he figured that out then, and Jonathan Brooks, he stepped up. That 60-yard run, that was terrific. But, yeah, man, just Quinn Ewers getting back to those bad habits that you mentioned, Chip. Like the one where he threw off the back of his leg to JT Sanders and it almost got picked off in the first half. It was like, wow, man, what are you? 
looking at. Like, that was just nonchalant. Like, kind of like, I don't give a damn. It was kind of like um, when you play that game where you just call out the numbers and stuff, like 20, and you just throw it up in the air, and everybody just goes for it, and whoever has the most points wins the game. That's how it looked. Like, he threw it like he wasn't a real game. Like, it was just – he was throwing it to a kid or something, just nonchalant. I'm like, dog, what is that? And then the one that you mentioned where he just completely overthrew Xavier Worthy. And it's like, dog, don't get too cocky. You're the one that held the meeting yourself. Like, stick to the mechanics. I don't care if it's Wyoming. Like, this was supposed to be your Heisman ceiling game. And maybe Sark was kind of going for that. You could tell with the play calling. Like, there was a lot of three and outs where – the ball just went through the air. Jonathan Brooks didn't touch it. Jaden Blue didn't touch it. Keelan Robinson didn't touch it. And it's like, okay, like we know the drops are there, but Sark, man, I get it. You want to throw the ball, but take what the defense gives you. And I don't think they did that enough on Saturday, which is why it was a dogfight until the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And look, Wyoming – we talked about this last week. Craig Bowl should have waited for a better job. Like that dude won three F three FCS championships at North Dakota state. He's Chris Kleiman. He's a good coach, but he chose to go to Wyoming. Kleiman went to a power five conference. So people know about Chris Kleiman. They don't know about Craig Bowl. He's got a team. Um, but that being said, Texas is got a, they got a chance to do something special. Um, I'll tell you what I liked, what I didn't like from the game, Zay. I liked what you just said about Jonathan Brooks, that he got to set his jaw and show everybody that he can be a guy that can get you 164 yards on 21 carries and rip off a 61-yard run and against a good defense. Wyoming's defense is legit. I liked that um, Ryan Sanborn looks like he's a Ray Guy Award winning punter. And it's funny, we just got done talking to him and he said that they're getting to move his, his uh, target further down the field because he's got such good gunners in Keelan Robinson and Keaton Crawford. So he can just boom it. Normally, you don't want to outkick your coverage, give that return guy all kinds of time to formulate a, a lane to return it. But he's like, these guys get down the field so fast. I can boom at 60 yards because they're going to be there. And, and they are, he flipped the field three times. Then when he needed to do a teardrop from the 34 where Sark didn't go for the 55 yard field goal or from the 38, Sanborn drops a 34 yarder and Michael Taft downs it at the four special teams was money. Um, defensively. I liked that, you know, they contained the run after the big huge 62 yard touchdown run that was on Anthony Hill, young guy playing weak side linebacker. This is the position he's going to play next year. When David Benda moves on, he's still learning that, position now on pass rushdowns that dude is turn him loose he's money but still playing weak side linebacker David Benda was off the field Wyoming calls that run play Hill gets caught up in the wash boom touchdown they pretty much you know controlled the 
the running game defensively after that defense. I mean, the fact that they held Wyoming to a field goal after that 17 play 77 yard drive that took 10 minutes off the clock. Ten minutes. Wow. And they had first and they had goal to go. Mm. And Baron Sorrell comes through with that big third down sack to force the field goal. I mean, that was Wyoming driving to take the lead. And they ended up having to settle for that field goal. It's 10 to 10. Then we get the light show with the drones and the longhorn in the air, which was killer. The players loved it. And today they were like trying to say, oh, man, that light show is what triggered that avalanche in the fourth quarter. Okay. All right. I don't know, but that light show was tight. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. They did that. I, I like it a lot. CDC, he has some things going down at DKR. But here's what I didn't like, Zay. You know me. I'm all about, I'm a, you know, my man Harge likes to say he's a body language-ologist. I like to think that I taught him how to be a body language-ologist. <laughs> but I didn't like, like normal, I, I give Quinn Ewers all the credit in the world. I thought he was accountable for last year. I thought he was accountable at the bowl game. I thought he was accountable in the spring. And today when we asked him what happened, he didn't have great answers. He just said, I got to start faster. I got to, I got to be better focused. I got to start faster. Um, But okay, that's good. That's good. But he just didn't seem comfortable. You know, he didn't, it was like, it's like he knew that he, he followed up Alabama, a masterpiece with some finger painting, you know? Right. And now look, he's still got a chance to take this team on a magic carpet ride. And we're going to, we should see a laser beam Quinn Ewers on Saturday. Um, But I just want to see it keep going up. Zay, it seems like every time, I mean, the guy is money against Alabama. We know that he's played five brilliant quarters against Alabama, but don't bring it down when you're a 28 point favorite. Don't bring it down when you're a, whatever they are, two touchdown. I think they're 14 point favorites at Baylor. You know, let's see it keep going up. And that's where, because people keep asking me, is Quinn Ewers a first round draft pick? I'm like, not yet. I mean, the the pro scouts are going to look at what he did against Alabama and they're going to, someone's going to talk themselves into it. But from a play in play out standpoint, he's not there yet. Maybe he needs more time. You know, I mean, look. Yeah, yeah, I know everybody's kind of banking on him going to the draft this year, but the dude can stay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he could actually stay two more years if he wanted to. I know that would mess up the whole Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, and their trajectory and stuff, but damn that. It's just about who the best quarterback gives you the best chance to win, so I could care less at this point. Texas hasn't won in a very long time. So I don't want to deal with the whole just, you know, politics about the roster situation, but yeah, Chip, you know, I, that was what's disappointing because you hear about the players only meeting and you're like, okay, he, he gets it, which that's still a good thing. I appreciate that, but yeah, just the performance. And I don't know what he's supposed to say. Like he should be pissed off. 
because, you know, I like I said last week, that was a game that everybody should have boosted their award standing. Like, I know John A. Barron did. He talking about the Thorpe Award. That dude boosted it. Everybody in the nation was like, oh, man, this guy on the number three team in the nation, this dude is definitely the best cornerback on the team. This dude hits. He's in the right spot. He's breaking up passes like John A. Barron. Like he, that rat poisoning was gone probably Sunday morning. And we saw him partying Sunday morning at 3 a.m. So that dude, yeah, he's on a whole nother level. But you thought that everybody. Where's he from, Zay? The ATX, Conley High School, man. Shout out. That's what I'm talking about. But you thought everybody would follow suit, Chip. You know, like the drop passes. And it wasn't just Quinn yours, but uh, Adonai Mitchell, he had a drop pass. Jordan Winnington had a drop pass. Jonte Cook, this is the only time you're getting the chance, young man. All the hype you had coming out of DeSoto, one of the top players in the nation. It's hard to get minutes with this deep wide receiver roster, man. Jay Witt, A.D., Xavier, it's tough to get minutes. You got to capitalize on every opportunity, my guy. And that drop that he had, Wide open. It wasn't like they were tiptoeing. You know, it wasn't like that Jonathan Brooks, Kool-Aid McKinstry play from a week ago. He was wide ass open and he just dropped that thing. He just dropped it. Like JT Sanders, no catches, zero donut. It was just a weird game overall. And I, you know, they, as good as Wyoming was, Texas was that sloppy on the other side. And yeah, that, that kind of scares you going into the Big 12 because there's going to be teams, even though the Big 12 doesn't look too good right now, Texas and Oklahoma are the only teams out here ranked. There are teams that are better than Wyoming. And since you got that target on your back, it's going to be a lot different. Like that Tarrant Brooks pass interference, mm, a little sketchy. That ball was so clean out of bounds. Somebody in the stands might have caught that thing, and they called it on them. They they called it on them. So keep expecting stuff like that. <laughs> like that's not you know. I know it was I guess minor now with the big picture thirty one ten. But during that long ass drive that we both mentioned, ten minutes, seventeen plays. That's what kept the chains moving, plays like that. So, yeah, a lot of false starts with the offense. First play of the game, you get a false start. You don't have any of those problems in Tuscaloosa. So just everybody was off on Saturday, and all the nitpicking that you and I are doing, Ship, they still won by 21 points. So, you know, that's that's saying something, and that's something to be – pretty hype about if you're a Texas fan that only had the ball 21 minutes during this game on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I think you look at it and you say, um, like you mentioned, I mean, Jade Barron, I don't think we can talk enough about him um, because that guy's been playing at such a high level all year. And I loved what he said after the game. You know, I said, geez, should we call you Mr. Third Down? four third down stops, including a a pass breakup. And he said, well, I just try to play fast. My mom's still working and I'm trying to make it where she doesn't have to work one day, man. And Tashana Davis is his, is his mom. And he, uh, 
he gave her a shout out because she's a beautician and he said, look how good my skin looks. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jade, man. That yeah. dude is awesome. He is so funny. I mean, last week before the Alabama game, he's like, you know, I don't lack for confidence. I love myself. And <laughs> we were all laughing so hard because the guy makes plays. He had the big interception against Alabama, the four third down stops against Wyoming. I mean, he's a drive killer. He's a one-man drive killer. And it's it's fun to watch him do his thing. When he fought off that block, he got held and dropped that kid for the, the last third down stop on that screen like he did all last year, leading the team in tackles for loss Crazy as a nickelback. I mean, come on. That's – yeah. That's almost unheard of. Yeah. So, hey, listen, you know what else is almost unheard of? Having a two-time Super Bowl winner join the show like he's about to do right now. The one and only Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> how, you guys, how you guys doing? All-American offensive lineman, three-time conference champion at the University of Texas and oh by the way, two-time Super Bowl winner with the Denver Broncos. In fact, Dan, you just got back from your 25th anniversary of your 98 Super Bowl victory with the Broncos. Yeah, just uh, just got back last night. How was that? It was fun. Um, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough, uh, I got to go last year when we did the anniversary of the Super Bowl 32 team, then back again this year for 33 uh, so this will be it for me because I will not be around for 50. So I was really excited to be able to go. <laughs> Come on, He's still man. in good shape. Come on, man. <laughs> no, no. And I'm the youngest guy out there, too. All those other guys I play with are old now, man. You should see them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who was it? Who was the who was the veteran on the team? You you won a Super Bowl as a rookie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was some veteran on the team who's like, you don't know how bleepity bleeping lucky you got it. I've been around for who was that? Neil Smith. I saw Neil this weekend. Yeah. He uh Neil he Smith. To, he went up to he had a few choice words uh about me getting a ring as a rookie. And it was like his 14th year before he got one. I was like, hell, I don't know. Denver didn't win a ring till I got here. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Trust I mean, me, I very jokingly say that when I go back and I see these guys I played with, I'm like, wow, we, we were so good. Yeah. Well, so what, I saw the whole crew, Shannon, Elway, Terrell, who was all there. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, hearing guys kind of hit and miss, like Sharp was not actually there this year. He was last. Uh, John was there. Terrell was there. And Ed was there this year. wasn't last. So uh, pretty much between the two years, I saw almost all of them. Um, but uh, unfortunately, not everyone can make it. We, you know, Mark Schlereth is not there because he's doing a game. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate some guys couldn't make it. But um, it was fun. My, my wife kind of looked at me. He's like, I get it. You know, you guys really love each other. I go, yeah, it was it's just when you play with somebody and you, you have success like that, it's like no one else really understands what it's like. I love it. Well, what yeah. any funny stories from the weekend? It was, you know, we're old. Remember, <laughs> it's just pretty, pretty tame and calm. Uh, I, I was uh, one of my teammates, a guy named Matt Lepsis, actually lives here in town with me. So, 
we kind of traveled and hung out with him and, and he's a Buffalo. So he actually went up to the, the CU game, but um, we, we just kind of sat around and, and went to a few events, enjoyed each other's company and uh, went to the game, did the halftime, which is always, uh, when you walk on a field with 60,000 people cheering for you, I don't care where you are, who you are. It's exciting. So it was fun. Well, Dan, we were just talking about uh, this Texas Longhorn team. I'm sure you, um, you know, have some thoughts after the win over Alabama. They yeah. end up, you know, pulling away in the fourth quarter against Wyoming. Um, what do you what do you make of this team? Well, and, and I'll preface this: I was unable to watch the Wyoming game because of this weekend, and uh, Longhorn Network is not on in Colorado, uh, so I, I didn't get to see. But you know, I, I'm kind of like everybody in that is you just wanted to see them win the game, and that, that's the thing you have to remember. And I, a lot of my football relates back to the days when I was in Denver, and when you're playing the NFL. You can go play bad and lose, and you can go play bad and win. The end of the day is win and lose is all you care about. So, you know, they didn't have their greatest game against Wyoming, but they found a way to win. That's all I care about. That's over. That's done with. Now we're talking about Baylor. What you don't want is you don't want a game like Wyoming to cost you your season, what you're working for. But if you go back to the Alabama game, I mean, you know, I was one of those guys saying there's no way they're going to win that game. Uh, I think they're going to play them really well, but I didn't think they'd win. Now, of course, I did not know Alabama didn't have a quarterback, but uh, evidently they do not, and that was a big part of it. But you look at that game, and you guys tell me, the one time Texas was behind, they answered the score to go right back on top. They needed to drive, hold on the ball at the end of the game to put it away. It was like what, a seven-minute drive, something ridiculous. They rushed the ball, and they, they did everything they needed to do to win the game. And I, I kind of left saying, you know, they left points out, out on the field with settling for three instead of seven a couple times. And they just control from start to finish against. And let me tell you what, it's going to be a good Alabama team. Don't kid yourself. They are going to win games and be a, a tough game for everyone. So you, you look at what they did there. They really showed everyone what they want to do. And then bouncing back against Wyoming, you now know that this team understands what it takes because – that's been the problem. They have not learned to win football games until this year. Now I think they figured it out. Dan, how hard is it for an offensive line to have a player like Bijan in the backfield like they did last year, and now they're having to adjust? And it kind of seems like you didn't watch the game, but in the fourth quarter they finally established a running game, and it just seems like Sark doesn't have the full confidence in the trust the running game, but, you know, you know he loves to throw. But, like, what's what, how does that go, like, as an offensive lineman, just knowing that, man – Bijan's not there anymore. What do we have to do better? And they're just kind of slowly coming along that way. Well, I think that, you know, Zay, I, I think that's part of it is you really, you can't do anything better, right? You can only do your job. Mistakes start happening when you try to do more than your job. And, and that's when you're pressing. I don't think they're the doing any of that. I, I think there is a learning curve to running the ball. And I think it's more on the back's end and understanding where those cuts are at and the vision and what they need to do and, and fitting the system. And, and again, a lot of times I go back to my days in Denver. If you if you think back to those days, we rushed for 2,000 yards with Terrell Davis. Next season, he has a career-ending injury. And then we went the revolving door of running backs. And it really didn't matter who was running the ball. Each one of them, you know, rushed over 12, 1,300 yards back there. And it, they were all good players, but they fit the system. And we ran the system. And whoever's back there was expected to run like Terrell did. Now, Terrell made plays that the other guys couldn't. That's why he was he, who, in the Hall of Fame. But we expect that those guys to do what the system dictated they do. 
And I think that's where, you know, you have to be as a program is really we can have two, three backs back there. It doesn't matter. They all should run the same. Now, they all have their specialties and they all have the things they do that make them different. But the idea of hitting the hole and hitting the hole the right way and finding the hole is the same for every back. So, Dan, you played for a, a offensive genius <laughs> head, head coach, play caller, John Makovic. I don't think he was nearly as beloved or <laughs> even liked like Steve Sarkeesian. But, um, you know, you look at this Texas offense, Quinn Ewers at quarterback, what, you know, what gives you confidence and where, where do they need to take it to the next level? Well, I think, Zay, you hit on it, running the ball. Uh, they definitely can improve in that area. Although, as I said, in that Alabama game, when they needed to, they did. So give them credit. Uh, but you'd like to see them establish it early, run it more, and, um, you know, get better at that phase of the game. Honestly, you know, the thing about Sar, you know, we all heard his story. I, I think the story is profound. I think it's a big part of who he is. And I think it really resonates with people. I know it does with me. And when they hired him, I liked it. I really liked the hire. I just said, it's going to take a little bit here. And we all got frustrated a couple of years where they were losing games they probably shouldn't have and those type of things. But in the back end, you could see it in that he was getting a lot of great recruits. They were getting more and more talent. And you knew that, hey, it's going to come together. And I think you're seeing that. And that's kind of what I like about Sark most important. We can talk about play calling all day. You know, and he's good at it. Saban said he was good at it. And Saban knows what he's talking about, right? You know. That's the easy part, in my opinion. It's it's managing the team, the players. You got the NIL going on. You got a portal going on. Recruiting eighteen year old kids. All that's really hard stuff, and you got to really be endearing, in my opinion, to these young athletes and be and care about them. And and you can't fake that. And that's why I think Sark has done such a great job. Um, when you really care about the players, that translates uh, more than just you know X's and O's winning ball games. But at the end of the day, all that will help you have a great program and a great team. And this defense. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> okay. Tavondre Sweat, big number 93. Yeah. He reminds you at all of Sam Adams, your your lifelong nemesis? Yeah, Sam. Sam was probably a little quicker than Tavondre, but let me tell you what, I, I would not uh, enjoy going against Tavondre. <laughs> I always tell people it's like Aaron Donald, Tavondre Sweat, guys make me glad I don't play anymore. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very good football player and his job is to plug the middle and stop the run and he does that very well what I like about it is in the past situations he helps collapse that pocket and that's what's going to force the quarterback outside and your Ethan Burks and the other guys are going to be able to get some easy sacks that way so all this stuff plays together and, and the way that defense is playing is, is really something really really fun to watch I mean they are they are really good at that side of the ball yeah. Speaking of, Dan, you talk about guys that you didn't want to face, but during <laughs> your day, who was somebody that you were like, man, I'm really going to have to buckle my trench wrap up tight this game because this dude's going to bring it? Uh, in, in college or the NFL? Both. Both? Well, every week in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story. I'm, I'm at the, the Bronco game this weekend, and I'm with a, a former player, and he's like, Dan, I, I just can't enjoy this. I'm like, why not? He goes, this place gives me so much damn anxiety because every time we came here, you know, you're about to get your bucket. <laughs> and it, it really is. I mean, in NFL, everyone was so good. It, it's it's a challenge each and every week. College, there's always a few guys. Chip mentioned kind of my, my nemesis, a, a good friend, guy I've known for a long time, Sam Adams at A&M. 
amazing player. He always gave me fits. I mean, I'm going to name guys that are just obvious. Uh, you know, Zach with Texas Tech, uh, you know, just went in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, that, that guy was damn good. He, Zach he Thomas. Gave me fits. Zach Thomas, thank you. Yeah. He gave me fits. Uh, I mean, there's – there's there's a, a bunch of uh, Daryl Gardner when he was a Baylor man I didn't enjoy that very much you know um, love Daryl's old teammate too in Denver but great guy but man I hate playing against him so you know you when you play in a place like the the Big Twelve you're you're going to play against good football players that's what you get in getting into it for and so every week you know Oklahoma's always got guys I mean there's just guys everywhere so you just every week's kind of a, a fight and you got to be ready Dan. Texas is going to Baylor. This yeah. is going to be the last time that these two schools meet for the foreseeable future. Uh, you just mentioned Daryl Gardner. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Santana Dotson. Oh, yeah, but, Santana. Yeah. Um, any, any memories? Now, you you were playing at Floyd Casey Stadium. Yeah. Um, any, any memories playing at Baylor that just stand out in your mind? Honestly, the one memory I have is Grant Taft's last game, and we were playing Baylor, and Grant Taft was the in charge of the refereeing for the Southwest Conference at that time, and his buddies gave him the game. That's about all I remember about Baylor, but that's kind of what you get into going into Waco. It's 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 a different place, and 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 this is what this is what the coaches are telling the players right now. All right, Baylor lost to Texas State. Okay, then they take Utah to the wire at home. Utah beats Florida. Florida just put a whooping on Tennessee. So don't kid yourself. This is a good football team. And all they want to do right now, because a lot of the things they kind of started out for, meaning you know championships, they know are kind of long shots. They know it deep down, but they know they can kick the crap out of Texas, and that will make their season. So you know you're going to get a great game out of Baylor. They are not a bad football team. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Each and every week is going to be this way, especially on the road. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing they have going for them against Baylor is that their quarterback, Blake Shapin, is not going to be back this week, and this backup quarterback doesn't look like he's got the goods. But I, I said it, too. I mean, Baylor's going to play. Last year, they led Texas in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Last year. And you're right. That's one year removed. It's not like they lost everybody on that team. I mean right. – and- it, it, that's football, right? You're going to, when you, when you're a team and you're going to get to another team's best shot and you're on a f- fairly level field, like the big 12, that best shot's going to be a tough one to overcome. You got to play up to your level. And that's another thing, you know, you talk about as a football team, it does not matter who lines up in front of us. We play to our standard, our level, that should be good enough to beat everybody in front of us. And not every team can say that Texas can right now. So that's how you got to approach it. We have a standard that we play at whomever's in front of us should not matter. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, speak on that a little bit more because this Texas team, it seemed like they had a little bit of a hangover going into this Wyoming game yeah. after they were playing Alabama. It was tied 10-10 going into the fourth quarter, and then they ran up 21 points, and it became 31-10 the final. But how difficult is it when you're 18, 19, 20 years <laughs> old, riding that high of being the big-time team, and then the next week you know you got to – you're playing against a team that, what, the line's minus 28 and a half, and you level your competition down to theirs just because you're still on that Alabama high. And, and that's exactly right. You you play below your your standard. And, and that happens because these are human beings. You know, I was 
if you look at it, like the Rice game was sort of similar to the Wyoming game, kind of slow, get going a little bit, and then they got rolled and they looked all right. And then they go out and look like they did against Wyoming. What do you think? I mean, you're getting ready to play Rice, and the next week you have Alabama, and you hear that. We're not looking ahead. Oh, yes, you are. We all are. We're human beings. (laughs) You know, it's in the back of your mind. I just get through Rice. We get to go to Tuscaloosa. I would have done the same thing, and I like to think that I was kind of focused on what was in front of me, but you can't help it. Then you just beat Tuscaloosa. You're four in the country. Everybody's telling you how great you are. I mean, it's it's a euphoric thing to go through, and then you kind of maybe don't think of – it's like you underestimate Wyoming. You just don't have your focus like you need to at times. But they get it done. That's my point. you got to get it done. Both those games, they got it done. And this is where you really want to get into it now that you're in your conference. Okay, these are the familiar foes. This is sort of the routine that you're in now. And you know what you got to do. We got to win a Big 12. We know what we need to do to win the Big 12. Let's do that. We beat Alabama. Therefore, we win the Big 12. We got a shot at a playoff. Let's just take it one step at a time. So I don't even talk about anything beyond a Big 12 championship. First and foremost, we only have three of the things. And one of them was a 96, you know. So I want one of those. And if we do do that, Everything else kind of falls into place for you, I believe, because to win the Big 12, you, you can't win more, lose more than one or two games. Yeah, Dan, you were part of that incredibly <laughs> memorable very first Big 12 championship in 96, Nebraska, three-touchdown favorite. You, James <coughs> Brown, Ricky, <coughs> Ricky Williams, Priest Holmes, yeah. roll up to the Trans World Dome in St. Louis and deal – on that Nebraska team, John Makovic calling Steelers roll left <laughs> on fourth and one from his own 27 up three. Yeah. That story never gets old, Dan. I mean, did you, did you expect Makovic to go for it from your own 27 up three? I did. Didn't expect him to throw the ball. In fact, I, I was one of the smart players on the huddle and he called the play. I was like, that's the dumbest call I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, shows you what I know about football, right? After the play, I'm like, great call. <laughs> I was a typical fan. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think that kind of talks, that goes with what we're talking about. We were a better team than, than people kind of gave credit to, as Chip mentioned. I mean, I, I, I bet if you sat down and really, you know, talked about what some of the members on that team did and what that team did at times, it, it, it's, it was a great football team, loaded with a lot of talent. Um, and we just – Casey we caught, Hampton. I know. I, I know. If you start going through it, if you made a list, people don't realize how much talent was on that team. We, um, we, we, we believed in ourselves. I think that's why we did it. And I'm sure we caught Nebraska looking a little bit beyond because all they had to do was win that one. They are about to go play for their third national championship in a row. And uh, it was kind of the perfect, perfect storm at the right – you know, everything kind of in line for us and – that's, that's kind of my point. Any day anybody can win, and you meet a team that has – and we weren't known as talented. All those guys you just mentioned weren't like all Americans. Priest Holmes didn't even play for us. You know, but they showed in time how great they were, and you look back on it in, in hindsight 2020, wow, there's a ton of talent. And I bet Nebraska would approach it differently if they would have known who all was on that field. But, hey, on that day, at that time – and it was a great win for the program, a great great, great time, great, great fun. But, you know, it, it, it kind of is my point to this team. Anybody can do it any day if you're not if you don't play up to your standard. What was going through your mind when James said what he said to the media? Oh, <laughs> Chip knows the story better than I do. I'll tell you my my side of it is 
you know, Makovic had said going to that week, don't give the media anything. And James <laughs> being James. And, and it, it, I know it's funny that it really wasn't like you think. It wasn't like Jane was like, James walked in there. We're going to beat them by 21. He wasn't talking junk. James never talked. You know, he did. But, you know, he, he did it, you know, on the field, not to the media. Um, but someone asked him, point blank, I think it was Chip Brown that asked him this, if I recall correctly. Uh, Nebraska's picked to beat you by 21. What do you got to say? And James, just matter of fact, because he believed this, well, I think we're going to beat them by 21. That was it. And we all kind of said, well, hell yeah, we're going to beat them by 21. And you're like, yeah, why not? And that was exactly what we needed. And then we, you know, we, we were there the whole game. And then that play at the end, put it away. So yeah. Chip blew it up. Yeah, it was all yeah, And that's fault. exactly the way I asked him. <laughs> at, like James walked in. I said, James, you know, you're a 21-point underdog. What do you What do you make of that? And he's like, I don't know. I think we're going to beat them by three touchdowns. And I was like <laughs> – when did you start thinking that? <laughs> and thank God I recorded it because Makovic accused me of making it up and I had to bring him the tape. So I brought him the tape and played it. And then Makovic went into the locker room and apparently said, well, James, you said it. So you got to tell the team. And James told the team. And from what I heard, Dan Neal was the first one to stand up and go, fuck yeah, let's fuck these guys off. <laughs> that might be true. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, man, legendary. And the rest uh, is Jay, history. Jay, now you know why Chip Brown is so beloved by the University of Texas. Oh, yeah. Back in oh, 96. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew he asked it. I just wanted to hear your take from it because yeah. we got you all here, man. <laughs> well, in the the headline, the headline in the Lincoln Journal Star was like in four inch type. UTQB will win by three TDs. <laughs> and by God, James Brown did what he does. Hey, I mean, that's the one thing about James. Like I said, he, he would talk a little bit on the field, but he backed it up, man. You love playing with James. Love that guy. Yeah, Dan, <laughs> don't you think he's, like, undervalued in Texas fans' eyes? Like, Chip talks about it all the time, and I'm right there with him. I know I was just a youngster back in that day, but, yeah, do you think he doesn't get enough credit like some of the other guys that uh, put I, on the burnt orange? I do. Now, he, his senior year wasn't up to the standard he wanted it to be. I think that hurt him a little bit, but – as I mentioned, you know, you look back at that 96 team, I think part of it was it was an era when the, the coach was not beloved. And, you know, afterwards it all fell apart and Mac Brown had to come in and rebuild the thing. And, and so we kind of had – we had this like little – it was so hot, so fast and gone that people sort of forget about it. But, I mean, I, I'm going to butcher this. I, I was reading the other day. I mean, I, I think today it's like – it's one of the top five teams with Hall of Honor members. I think it was the second or third most NFL draft picks on a team. Uh, you had a Heisman Trophy winner on the team. You had an MV NFL future NFL MVP that backed up the Heisman Trophy winner on the team. Uh, you know, you just – I go down the list. It was a really good football team. And, yes, I, I mean, I, I feel more for my teammates because I, I was always pretty fortunate that um, – you know, I, I I got some some notoriety, I guess, a little bit as I was finishing up, and, and I'm very blessed for that. But I had some teammates that I had never felt got the credit they deserved, and, and I, I feel bad for them because in, in Texas history and, and what they accomplished, it's up there. Yeah, I, I think I think James Brown is like 
yep. the most underrated Texas quarterback, certainly in my time covering the team. I mean, Shea Morenz was the all everything recruit and James Brown was not what John Makovic had recruited. And James just won. All he did was win. And you know, I'll cut you, I'm sorry, coach. So when James was getting recruited, we did. We had Shea Morenz and Shea's a friend, and I think Shea's a great player. And, and what all happened to Shea wasn't all his fault, right? He, I think he would have been a great quarterback, but this thing's happened. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts at Alabama, right? James' attitude coming in was like, it's all right. You got to compete to play. I'll compete against whoever they put in front of me, and I will do my job. He wasn't scared of anybody, anything. He didn't back down. He wasn't running. He was going to stand and fight, and that was James. That's why he loved playing with the guy. He And his his philosophy, his attitude was just move the change. Remember, James Brown. Here's what people, again, you talk about James Brown. Do you know who James Brown's first start was against? Oklahoma. That's right. First 94. time he started, goes out against Oklahoma, beats Oklahoma. Man. Not many quarterbacks have done that, and that's impressive. First college start. Yeah, the stage wow. is not too big. And I, you know what? Malik Murphy, I know people are going to be like, oh, shut up, Chip. You don't know anything <laughs> about Malik. But Malik Murphy reminds me of James Brown because Malik dragged his high school team to a state championship in California. It was not a talented team. Everybody offered him to transfer from Texas, Florida, most notably. And he's like, nope, I'm going to stay here and compete. And yeah. he's not afraid. And, you know, we'll see if he ever gets on the field. But um, just a, a minor note there. Um, <laughs> but, but Dan, do you, do you get the sense, you know, in the way that this team's this Texas team has been progressing that they've, they've got what it takes to, to win the last big 12 championship. I I do. And that's sort of my point. You know, you, you, again, you look at the season so far and you can see where they'd overlook rice Wyoming, but they win. They go beat Alabama, Tuscaloosa. And I mean, but uh, two teams have done that. How long, you know, that doesn't happen. That's amazing. And you can argue again, argue all you want, how Alabama's not that good of a team. Yeah, they are. Trust me. Wait till the season's over. And so you, you you look at this team the last couple of years, I've always said they're talented. They just got to figure out how to win. Here's the thing. Winning's a habit. Losing's a habit. Why do you think Alabama usually always wins? Because they believe it. They don't question it. They expect it, and they know what to go do, and they put teams away. Texas was kind of hoping to win, and I've been on both teams. Uh, once you get to where you expect to win, you do win, and I think that's what they've turned these last three weeks is now I think they're going into this Baylor game expecting to beat Baylor. They don't doubt it. They don't question it. Uh, not to say that they don't lose one along the way because, gosh, you're human beings, these things happen, but they certainly, if you look at that schedule, I think every game's a dogfight, but I think they are the team to beat every week or every, uh, every game for the rest of the season. Yeah, now I'm looking at the schedule, and Zay – Zay said, watch out for Kansas. I think I think he's right. I think he is Kansas, right. with their speed and Jalen Daniels, September 30th, that game looks like the game that Texas needs to be on point and, and OU because Dylan Gabriel can can win a shootout too. So back and back. this is yeah, and, and here's my point. You're right, back to back. Here's my point, right? You Sometimes you get lost in the whole thing. We don't ever talk about OU because are you guys worried about a letdown for OU? 
Right. Sure. OU is OU. I just say it's OU. It's the OU Texas game. Anything can happen. Doesn't matter. Just throw that one out there. Uh, but you worry about other games, and that's where you have to play to your standards so you don't have those letdowns because you're absolutely right. We can make argument. Trust me. I saw what Kansas did to Illinois. I actually undressed them. I was like, damn, this is a good team. You know, they're not bad. Baylor's going to give you – I mean, ta- you want to say, go down the list, You're and you're getting their best shot. So you got to remember each and every week is going to be a fight and you got to play to a standard and a level. But if we do that, we can win. Not every team can say that. They may tell themselves that, but it's not true. I believe Texas, if they play to their standard, their level, each week they win the rest. But now that's in a big if, guys. And I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm saying if they do it. Yeah. Dan, are you going to miss not playing Tech and Baylor? Obviously not as often with the Horns going to the SEC. I, I am. Look, I, I get it. We could all – it's very simple. It's it's money, right, you know, uh, why we're having these, these you know, conferences shift and change. I don't like it in the sense that I would rather see Kansas play Missouri. I would rather see Texas play Tech and Baylor, you know, these traditional great rivalries that everyone loves, um, I think are great games, and I hate to see them go away, but it is what it is. I'm still glad that – we got OU and we got now AM back on the schedule. So, and Arkansas. So, you lose some, you gain some. It's just kind of where we're at. I'm excited about the big, the SEC. I think every fan is. I mean, it's going to be great football to watch. So, um, but I, I do, I am, you know, sad to see these other ones go away because it was, uh, I mean, it's been 100 years in some of these things, right? Or close to it. It's been a long time. Well, Dan, I know, I know how you watch football games. You are right on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> So tell me what, uh, you know, people give Jake Majors a hard time and the interior of the line, you know, everyone knows about Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones, but give me your thoughts on the offensive line. Well, I mean, you know me, I don't ever like to disparage, you know, college athletes. I I certainly do not intend to, but I like all five of them. Um, Banks is Banks. I mean, the guy's really good. you know, he'll be a great player for a long time. I, I tell people, I mean, you, you want to know you want to know what kind of offensive line Texas got. Look at Jones, number 70. Here's a guy that's got skills, but in my opinion, he's kind of always underperformed. It hasn't really lived up to what people expected him. And then watch him play this year. All of a sudden, he got good. What's the difference? Well, he's got a different coach. And you see what you're getting from Kurt Flood. And 52, I think, is going to be a good player i really like him you know jake majors is a solid guy in the middle you know i i think all five of them up front are good and years passed and chips heard me you know i don't disparage college athletes i didn't say this about the offensive line and i am now i think all five can play i think they know what they're doing their scheme i understand what they're trying to do up front uh it's kind of a gap scheme and okay that'll work let's do it let's go go run the ball they just Got to get better at running, and, and then they will because, again, I mean, you know, I, I tell people that the biggest position group is your offensive line. There's five of them. I know DBs are what they are, but there's five of them. They always have to work together on every play. It takes a little while to put all that together, and the back all of a sudden is involved in it, maybe a fullback, a tight end. That's a lot of people getting on the same page. So that's the last thing to come around for a football team. But once you get that rolling, you, you can get it going, and they got the five guys up front to do it. What do you think of Baxter, the – the freshman running back and Jonathan Brooks. I, I haven't watched enough chip to really comment. I, I, what I have seen is I like all the backs that they have. 
I think they, they all have skill and they run hard, which is kind of what I look for. I don't see any laziness of really on anybody on that team. That's what I'm excited about. But exactly, you know, I haven't watched close enough to know if they're making the right reads and cuts and doing all the little things. Well, everyone's looking at Quinn Ewers. <laughs> I, I tell you, my, my Quinn Ewers, everyone's like, he can't throw the deep ball. Man, this is before Alabama. Can't throw the deep ball. It's like, well, I don't know. You know, I'm not good at this stuff. But last time I saw him play an entire football game was the Texas high school championship game. And he was light years above everybody else in that game. And the other guys in that field were pretty good. Uh, he threw the deep ball then. I don't think he forgot how to. Now, he hadn't done it. But no, he can do it. And then give him a chance. And guess what? He can throw the deep ball. Ooh, go magic. Now, he's, he's, he's a very talented football player. Agreed. We hadn't seen it all out of him last year as much. But uh, so far this year, you're seeing it. And I think a lot of it has to do with he's focused on what he wants to get done. Yeah. Dan, last one for me. Those Broncos, 0-2. Sean Payton, <laughs> first year there. Russell Wilson doesn't look too good. I know that Colorado media, they're praising Dion, but probably bashing Payton and uh, Russell. What do you think about how they look right now? Uh, yeah, you got uh, So the Bronco football team, the product you see on the field, is not very good right now. No. Um, and you, you got to kind of look at it from the top down and they have great owners can't emphasize that enough to you guys their ownership group is really really good uh they they're passionate they want to win it's just going to take a little bit to get all the right people because they bought a team that uh, the old group that was running it was transitioning out they hired a bunch of people to take over they took over those new hires they're not their people yet completely so they're trying to put the whole thing together and it's going to take a minute uh, there. And, and because of some of those decisions, whether they like it or not, they're stuck with Russell Wilson. Uh, they went out and got a coach this year that and all, you know, we all thought was a good hire. And I still think so. It's just going to take a little bit to get going. And, and it's not like this is a world you know, championship team this year. Hopefully they can get things straightened out and, and be good in the next couple of years. There are some pieces that are there. They just don't have anybody. That, they don't have the receivers they need. Although I did see a little Jordan play. Uh you know, they're, they're missing some pieces, but in time, hopefully they put it all together. Dan, last thing from me, uh, your old teammate, Brian Vosick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy is probably one of the best defensive line coaches in high school football. He coached Ethan Burke with his own son, Colton Vosick at Westlake. Of course, your son, David, played at Westlake. You have kept an eye on on Westlake and and just talk about first Brian Vosick, your teammate, what he was like when you played with him, and now seeing guys like Ethan Burke and and Colton Vosick. So Brian Vosick, the thing that always jumped out about me, if you think about like a temper, you know, like a, a seriousness, like just I mean a, a ravaging guy being a ten. Uh, I never saw Brian above a two. A most laid back, easygoing guy. Not that he wasn't a good football player. Just Brian never got too worked up about anything. And, and, and I love Brian. He actually, as you know, he coached my son. He played at Westlake. And uh, I was very, very happy that he was able to coach my son. Did a great job. Uh, he does know what he's doing. You know, Ethan Burke's a good player. His, his son's supposed to be a good player. Um, I'm a big Vosick fan, but I, I – I do like – I mean, I do like Ethan Burke a lot. This guy is just learning how to play football, guys. He just started this game. And, and you can see where there's some 
some serious talent there. And, and uh, it's almost like the first game of Rice, he didn't play. Then they put him out. They saw something. And they like, well, let's try him against Bam. And then they didn't take him off the field. The guy was unbelievable. So, <laughs> uh, and, and he, again, I mean, that's like, he's like four or five deep. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of talent uh, on this team. Yeah. Well, Dan, always great to talk to you, my friend. Um, congratulations again on the, on the, uh, Super Bowl anniversary weekend and um, how cool that you got to go back to back years because <laughs> your Broncos won it all in 97 and 98. That's awesome, man. Thanks for, uh, for taking some time with us today. Hey, anytime guys. And I appreciate it. It was a, uh, I was blessed to be on a great team. All right. There is Dan. Thanks, Neal. Dan. Appreciate you, man. Thanks guys. The one and only the all American the uh, two-time Super Bowl winner, breaking it down, Zay. And um, I'll tell you what, before we uh, sink our teeth into um, our next, uh, our next um, round of football conversation, let me tell you about my man Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations because, look, you need a big screen TV. If you don't have a big screen that you're just totally pumped about, that makes you feel like you're on the field at the game, don't go, don't go to a box store and buy it. Just call my man, Tom McKay. Here's the deal. You call 255-8678. And from the free consultation to installation, Tom and his crew bring everything to you. You don't have to move a muscle. You just watch them come in. Whether you want the big screen TV, surround sound, electronic shades, surveillance. Tom's done that in three of my houses. All my TVs were put up by Tom McKay. And they're the best. And they beat the best price of any big screen TV that you can find. So just call 255-8678 and let Tom and his crew bring everything to you. Audiovisual consultations, AV consultations.com but just call that number 255-8678 all right so zay the dallas cowboys yeah man one of my one of my picks went up in flames i looked like a genius on south alabama oklahoma state yo what a call yeah on the new york jets Zach Wilson is hot garbage, and I think his teammates are not buying into him any more than they didn't buy into him last year. Or the Cowboys' defense is the best defense since the Ravens circa 2000. Yeah, and that's what Micah Parsons was saying at the beginning of the season. He was trying to compare this team to that 2000 Ravens team, you know, and – Woodson and Ray Lewis and all those guys, Aragusa and Micah, he looked amazing again yesterday. Like that dude's trying to be a defensive player of the year. He saw all the money that Nick Bosa got paid out in San Fran. He said, why not me? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, you know, Zach Wilson, I'm going to give him a pass. They were all over that guy yesterday. Like they gave up nothing. That defense is just so stingy. Bland's out there locking up. Curse is 
It's a hard hitter. Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, those guys ain't giving up much. I mean, Garrett Wilson is Garrett Wilson. Yeah, he had that big game. Like, that was ridiculous play by him. But other than that, like, everybody was getting locked up on that side. And Dak Wilson was running for his life. And Dak Prescott, he had, you know, he was solid. Besides that, Sauce Gardner, almost interception, pick six. Like, Sauce Gardner, your first team all pro, dog. You got to make that catch, and that would have definitely changed the game. But, yeah, like, the Cowboys, they look locked in. And I know both teams that they played are, you know, kind of so-so, and they're going to get some real tests once they get into the division more. But, yeah, right now they look like the team that's pissed off that they lost to San Fran, and they're right there with the Eagles and the 49ers as being on the top of the NFC. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to talk to Stretch this week because Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott seem to be totally in sync. And meanwhile, Kellen Moore and the Chargers are 0-2. Now, I'm not saying that the Chargers' problems are all on the offensive side of the ball because they're not. But Mike McCarthy, look, he bet on himself. And so far, I mean, Dak Prescott's not, hey, what have I been saying about Dak running when he has the opportunity to? He's running more. He's He's running running more. Yeah. He got that money, Zay. He didn't want to run. Before he got that money, now he's got that money, and he's like, I'm getting paid no matter what. I might as well try and win a Super Bowl. So let me go pick up these yards when, when everything breaks down. And that's why Dak was so good his first three years in the league. And that's why he wasn't so good the last three years. He's got to use his legs when everything breaks down. Don't stand in the pocket and force something. Get out there. Guys are in man coverage. You got good receivers. Go make those yards. He did that yesterday. And I think, man, you combine his comfort level, him using his legs, Mike McCarthy having that feel, and that Cowboys defense, man, this is going to be fun to watch. And how crazy is it that the Cowboys and Longhorns have been leading parallel lives for the last 15 years, they both suck together, and now they're both good together. They're both 3-0, and or 2-0 and for the Cowboys, 3-0 and for the Longhorns for the first time since 2012. Damn, that long? Three games? That's three it? Three games is all. We're just oh. trying to get three games, eh? Yeah, yeah, and that's why, you know, it's our job to nitpick about these horns, but at the end of the day, them being three and oh is huge. And you know, the Cowboys, yeah, it's gonna get real week five when they have to go up to the bay and play against the San Francisco 49ers. But these next two weeks, when you've got the Cardinals who are tanking and that job that they pulled yesterday, like they had that game won. I don't know how they let the Giants come back and win that, but they did. Saquon got hurt in that game, and the Cardinals are guess doing what they're supposed to, and that's tanking for Caleb Williams, even though Kyler Murray is still hanging around. But yeah, you got Arizona, and then you got New England, who was also 0-2, not looking up to par. They lost yesterday, and, you know, 
Cowboys are just handling their business. Dan Quinn, he knows everybody on this defense. He's pressing the right buttons. And you're right, Chip, like Mike McCarthy betting on himself. Like, that's huge because he put himself on the line there. Like, if it doesn't work out, this could easily be the last year for Big Mike. You go two back-to-back seasons winning 12 games, but it's the Cowboys. Jerry, he's up there in years. Like, he ain't got time to waste. He ain't got time to play around. And you, we all know that defensive coordinator, he's next up. So – Hey, Big Mike, he's going to have to continue to call the right plays. And Dak Prescott, you know, that dude is getting back to his old self. I think he understood that, yo, these interceptions that I threw in 2022, a lot of that was forced. A lot of that was just I could have thrown the ball out of bounds or I could have ran for the yardage instead of trying to thread the needle. And now he's taking what the defense gives him because he trusts his legs. And like you said, he got paid. I don't know if that's the reason why he's running, but, hey, I'll take it. And the Cowboys, they look good right now. And they're spreading it out. I mean, I know CeeDee Lamb, he dominated yesterday with 11 catches 143 yards but both tight ends scored you saw a little bit of Deuce Vaughn out there you know a lot of guys are getting involved that we didn't see last year and Brandon Cooks didn't even play so to put up those numbers without your number two wide receiver that had so much promise coming in that's huge for the Cowboys and yeah man that defense they are just they're fast they just got a lot of dudes that are ball hogs they're going for strips they're going for pegs and yeah they know how good they are you know Micah Parsons he's out there talking on his podcast and stuff which you know if I, that were me I'd probably be like slow down a little bit but look if you know you're good you know you're confident talk your talk walk your walk just got to keep it up and Zay did you go three and oh on your picks I felt good the, the picks felt good the ones that I did choose, I always forget just because there's so much football in the weekend. But uh, the ones that I did pick, I'm not going to lie, after watching these games, they felt good. You had Seattle plus five at Detroit. They won. Yeah, sorry about that, partner. Thank you. <laughs> you had Baltimore plus three at Cincinnati. Yeah. Baltimore won. And you had Green Bay plus one and a half at Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, Green Bay, they fought, but man, B. John Robinson, he showed out yesterday. 170 something all purpose yards. That dude, some of the moves he made, I retweeted it. Go check out my Twitter. It's up there, top right, if you're watching on the YouTube. But if you're following the app, ain't that. Um, Excuse me, that's my old Twitter, Zay underscore Collier. This dude, Bijan, right when he gets the ball, there's already guys in the backfield, and he's making jukes. Like, he's just touching the ball, Chip, and he's making jukes. Like, back to back. Like, some guys can't do that. Probably 90% of the league can't do that. Saquon, you know, he's one. I don't know who else. I can't think of the top of my mind right now. It's Christian McCaffrey. But I, what he did to those Packers, man, and Arthur Smith, they're using them well. Like, they'll put him out as a wide out. Like, he's everywhere on the field. And that's why Bijan Robinson got picked eighth. 
And this got really terrible running back market. He's showing why he was selected in the first round only in week two. And we knew he was going to be impressive. But once you see it on the field, you know, and knowing that it's not college, it's the NFL and everybody's fast and everybody's strong. Like it's, it's crazy to see what he did yesterday. And I don't know why I'm surprised, but I am. It's just that performance, those moves, man, so impressive. 19 carries for 124 yards, four catches for 48 yards. He had a long run of 19 where he sidestepped the whole Packers defense. He had a 29-yard reception. He caught four of his five targets. Yeah, Bijan Robinson's going to be just fine. Yeah. All right, Zay. Before uh, before we get to the chip shot, you wanna you wanna tell everyone about uh, Covert BK. That's right. Our good family at Covert BK. Shout out to all the Covert Auto groups and just the family owned. Dan, he does a great job and the family's just great there. They always give us the best hospitality. We were out there with Casey Stuttered on Friday. Brad Kellner and Bucky Gobble were out there on Saturday for the pregame show and all of that's just been excellent and terrific and yeah, they got nice cars too. Go check out the 42 acres man the seven brands that they have over there jeep buick dodge chrysler gmc cadillac and ram you will get hooked up at covert b cave go to the website covertbcave.com for the latest specials the latest inventory man it's on point over there at covert again everybody there just does a great job and hey they'll get you in and out you know what car you want well it won't take all day like those other places around here no covert bk they will get you on time where you need to be and driving in that whip that you've always dreamed of so go to covertbcave.com or go see the guys over there at covert bk shout out to the covert auto group family all right I'm going to I'm going to bring the chip shot into uh, to Quinn Ewers here um, because it was an interesting week for Quinn Ewers last week. He had the photo of him with the cigar in his mouth in the locker room at Alabama. He called the players only meeting on Tuesday. Xavier Worthy said the message was don't get complacent. And then he comes out on Saturday night, does not have the game he would have liked. He opened one of six passing. He threw two balls into the end zone for JT Sanders, one of which absolutely should have been picked off. And here's here's the, the bottom line. It was an up and down performance. He had an unbelievable drive, the 17-play drive, where he was six of six passing, just taking the little stuff. It was eight yards here, eight yards there, four yards, six yards, two yards. And the, the drive was capped with the little lob to Byron Murphy. Big fella touchdown. <laughs> what do you think of that, Zay? I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I, I mean, Byron Murphy told us all summer, he's like, I played running back. Y'all don't, you're not going to believe it, but I played running back and I was good. And then he was like, 
until I ate myself out of the position. <laughs> but, you know, everyone's going nuts. Texas takes the lead 10-7. You're thinking, okay, yours is back in rhythm. But then in the third quarter, the two drops from John Tate Cook and Jordan Whittington kill a drive. Then he misses Worthy wide open on second and six. Um, and he only throws one pass in the fourth quarter. And it's the receiver screen to Worthy that Worthy takes 44 yards for the catch and run touchdown and the avalanche. You know, the 21-point surge is on Jaron Thompson um, with the pick six, Jonathan Brooks with the 61-yard run to set up yours on a five-yard broken play, you know, touchdown run. And and so yours finishes with, uh, you know, 11 of 21. 21. Yeah. And it's a 52% completion rate. Like I said, his third lowest as a Longhorn. And it was – you know, some of it was Wyoming dropping three or rushing three, dropping eight and having the discipline to, to play it well all night. Um, but it's got to get better. It's got to get better because he's seen, he's seen the three, eight cloud before he saw it against Iowa state. He saw it against Oklahoma state and Wyoming did their homework. They did their off season study. They saw that you were struggled against it and they saved it. They saved it for Texas and everyone else is going to watch that film and say, Oh, okay. Well, he still struggles with this three, eight cloud. Iowa state's going to run it. Oklahoma state's going to run it. I bet everybody's going to run it. Um, and he's going to have to get better or, you know, either that or they're going to have to run the ball like they did in the fourth quarter because the three, eight cloud invites you to run the football. You've got to run it. Yeah. You got to run. Yeah. That's what I was preaching. Like after the game with Trey Elling for the post game show, like, why didn't you run the ball more now in that third quarter, you barely touched the ball. So really didn't get a chance to showcase your offense. Only had one drive there since they took 10 minutes and 20 something seconds on 17 plays that Wyoming team, which shout out to bowl. Like he did a great job with his game plan and all around just that differentials just nuts, like astonishing to me. 38 minutes the, for the Cowboys to have the possession of the ball to Texas is 21, and Texas still wins by 21 points. Like, that's nuts to me. And, yeah, a lot of teams are going to do that. Again, with how college football is played, first downs, clock still runs. So if you know that they have a high-powered offense on the other side, like – this a lot of these coaches do then they're gonna try to squeeze that ball as much as possible and if they can they're gonna do that and they're not gonna allow Quinn Ewers to get on the field and when he's on the field that's why you have to make every opportunity count and we saw 2022 Quinn Ewers a little bit too much just throwing off the back leg the ball sailing over guys heads and then you know a lot of people had the dropsies like Adonai Mitchell dropped the pass Jonte Cook is only Attempt, he dropped. Jordan Whittington dropped the pass. 
class. Like it went around to everybody. And, you know, lots on Sark too, which he took blame. He owned up. He said, yo, there are a lot of calls that I missed tonight and I'm going to let the guys know on Monday, hey guys, this is on me. That reverse that they had, Chip, on third and one, what the hell was that? What are we doing? The reverse to Xavier Word. It's third and one. This is Wyoming. Shove it down their throat. Shove it. Like, let's go old school wishbone. Let's go power eye. Like, that's we are bigger than you. We're going to get these yardage, and we're going to continue to have the chains move. Like, why are we doing this trickery stuff for at, for at that distance? Like, that was a weird play. Just a lot of that throughout the night. And Sark, you know they're through in the three-high safety thing that, you know, Iowa State did to you last year, Oklahoma State did to you last year. So you got to see that end game and adjust there. Like, I get it. You have your scripted plays that you're so – famous or infamous for whatever you want to call it depends on how you look at it change it up you you could scratch it out and say hey we didn't know they were doing this that's why you have all these coaches that are getting paid six figures and seven figures because they need to figure out hey coach they're not doing what we saw they're like you said they're only rushing uh, three dropping eight so jonathan brooks get ready Savion red those two Wildcat or Wildhorn, you know, I like that a little bit. I, I like that. He was Jalen Milrow last week on the scout team, so they put that in the playbook. I like that. That was one of the good things that Sark did with his play calling. But let's do it more. Bring those guys up. Make them respect you, and then the passing game will open up a little bit more. But, man, that's that's that old Steve Sarkeesian, man, just the arrogant thinking of, yo, I don't care what y'all do. We're going to do this no matter yeah. what. And yeah, I get it. It's Wyoming. But, yo, man, a part of coaching is adjusting mid-game, not just the second half, every other drive. You know, A.J. Milwee, that's why you're on the field to notice that stuff, right? Well, it took too long for me for y'all to notice that they were doing the three high safety thing making you making sure anything over the top's not being available. Like it took too long to figure that out. And when they did finally in the fourth quarter, 21 points for that ass. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we, we got some questions earlier. Why didn't Isaiah Nayer get into the game against his old team? Wow. At some point I need to see some receivers who are going to catch the ball every time. Now I'm not, I'm not saying take Jay Witt off the field or take A.D. Mitchell off the field or Worthy off the field, but it's okay to rotate some guys in. I mean, I've heard incredible things about Ryan Niblett. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen Isaiah Nair. Yeah. Nair's been here two years. We saw him catch one third down pass from Malik Murphy against Rice. And who knows? That kid might be, you know, I mean, it just – uh and start calling those deep balls, you know, not deep, but the whatever, the 19-yard passes to JT Sanders in the end zone, knowing that Wyoming's playing rush three, drop eight, that's dumb. <laughs> that's that's putting Quinn Ewers in a bad spot. And, and that reminded me of Oklahoma State last year, where it's like, what 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 is the plan here? You know, and so take your time, run the ball. Run. You, you, you're at the Wyoming 38. You got first down. Just whittle your way down there. And I agree with you. The Savion Red plays. Wow. 
Savion Red, we've heard, does not lack for confidence. You know, he he's he's fiery. And he ran with fire. I mean, he got those fourth and ones. He got ran for seven. He ran for five. And I like having that wrinkle in the bag, you know. But um, now Ryan Watts said, you don't want Savion throwing the ball. (laughs) Um, Because apparently during the Alabama Scout Week, he tried a couple passes and the guys were like, whack, whack. Yeah, <laughs> but dumb, yeah, I, I love the I love the creativity of Sark and and all the all the playmakers he has. But you know, spread the love, share the love. Um, and I'm you know we thought maybe we'd see more eleven personnel. Um, and look, when they're running the football, they're probably going to have both Gunner Helm and JT Sanders in there. But we haven't seen a lot of eleven personnel. And, and we know Sark loves the tight ends. He uses them for his motions to, to help the quarterback determine if the defense is in man or zone. And, and that's cool. But um, yeah, that just all the way around, it was, it was a uneven, inconsistent night on offense. And even when the onslaught happened in the fourth quarter, that was a wide receiver screen it was a throw down the line of scrimmage that that was Quinn Ewers only pass in the fourth quarter. Then Jaron Thompson with the pick six, then Jonathan Brooks took over and Sark's right in the post game press conference. He said, we can win in a multiple multitude of ways. We can win with our defense, with our running game, our special teams. And that is a beautiful thing, but put your quarterback in the best position to be successful because I get the feeling we're going to see a lot of that three, eight cloud the rest of the season. Um, And let's see if they can learn, grow. And then, because right now everybody's talking about, you know, Quinn Ewers as a first round draft pick quarterback next year. And we need to go slow. I mean, he looks great against Alabama, but we need to, make sure he's got his technique, his mechanics. Like you said, why is he throwing off his back foot when he's not getting pressured in the pocket? That doesn't need to be an off platform throw. That needs to be a front foot throw. So let's, let's see where it goes from here. You got this golden opportunity and this Baylor team is going to scratch and claw, but their quarterback looks like something out of the intramural league. And so <laughs> I, I expect Texas's defense to score again in this game against Baylor or set up the offense for some short field uh, touchdowns because this Texas defense is starting to, just like the Cowboys defense, they're playing to their own standard and they're, they're competing with each other to get pick sixes and turnovers and sacks and, they're not competing against the other team. They're competing against each other. Yeah. Ethan Burke's trying to get more sacks than Baron Sorrell. And Jaron Thompson's trying to get more picks than Jody Barron and Jalen Ford and any corner on the team. So it's uh, this is a good Texas team, and they absolutely should win the Big 12. That's the other thing I was going to say, Zay, before I turn it over to you for the right call. 
looking at the rest of the Big 12, there's two quarterbacks who scare me right now. Jalen Daniels and Dylan Gabriel. I don't trust Chandler Morris. I don't trust any of the quarterbacks at Baylor. I don't trust anything going on at Oklahoma State. I don't trust Iowa State. Donovan Smith will probably be really good when Houston plays Texas, but he's up and down. I can't remember a year. We were trying to think. Maybe 2014 when the Big 12 quarterbacks were this sketchy. I mean, this is absolutely Texas's year to win the Big 12. Because I look around, I don't see big-time playmakers. There's no B. John Robinson. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I got to give it time. Maybe I got to look closer. But, you know, K-State lost a heartbreaker. Their defense looks bad in the secondary all of a sudden. I mean, Zay, it's time. Yeah. Yeah, Brady Cook lit up Kansas State. (laughs) The Missouri quarterback just absolutely lit him up. And I'm right with you, Chip. Like, this team, they have to win the Big 12 with how light it's been and how just all these teams look from Kansas State to Tech to Baylor, who they got this week. They have to run the table. And if they have another performance like this, what we saw against Wyoming, then they could easily get upset. Like a lot of teams got upset this past weekend, like Texas, they got to step their game up. And, uh, you know, this defense, as good as they were, they had too many long drives in this, you know, Wyoming game, like 38 minutes, get off the field guys. Like Keaton Crawford, that ball went right through his hands. It looked like he was a ghost. He had a chance to get an interception slash deflection, and it went right to Whelan's hands. Like it went through him. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happens. Boya, whatever, who had that over the throw, over the uh, shoulder release, it went right through his hands. And then Terrence Brooks, that pass interference call, which shouldn't have been pass interference. But what you holding them for? Right. Like, what, like, why, what are you holding them for? Like, get your hands off. You're in them. good position. Don't You're in good position, dog. Don't like, trust them. your technique. Trust the work that you put in in the offseason that when you get in these situations, all the those things will come together. But yeah, then you talk about the waylay run for the first drive, 62 yards. Like this defense, they had some mistakes too that they need to clean up. You know, if it wasn't for John A. Barron, then who knows how this game would have turned out. You know, if 23 wasn't on this field, then where's he from, Zay? The ATX, Austin Knight, which grew up with the burnt orange in his blood, man. He had no choice. So, and he plays like it. He knows. Hey, what he's telling his mama, mama, you ain't going to have to work much longer. Like, I got you. My play on the field, we going to get you a house, you're going to chill, and all the money going to run through Jade. Like, that's what I'm talking about. That gives me goosebumps hearing stuff like that. But, yeah, if 23 wasn't on the field, then this Horns team, this defense, they might have been in more trouble than what we saw. And, yo, Jaron Thompson, I don't know. Is Jaron Thompson, like, playing the game? Is he doing the old, like, the old beta to where, yo, man, I'm going to show y'all this. It's going to be open for the first two quarters. I might actually even get beat, and I might give up points, but I'm going to get it back. 
Like I'm betting, you know, Alabama, that was a little too much with him getting absolutely smoked, but he got lost on those whack ass out routes a few times. And I'm like, yo, Jaron, come on, bro. You've been playing long enough. We got to jump it. And he finally did. So I wish he did it a little earlier, maybe in the second or third quarter, especially on that uh, third quarter, very long drive, 10 minutes for Wyoming. But, hey, he was big when it mattered. That pick six was solid. Second interception in two weeks, like Jaron Thompson. He's been redeeming himself, but we shouldn't have to redeem none. Let's just start from zero and let's just turn it up to 100 once the ball's kicked off. Like, we don't got to bait nobody. Just take away everything. And, yeah, this defense, once they got embarrassed by that long run, they got more stingy. But, yeah, I thought they kept Wyoming on the field a little bit too long to where the offense, they didn't get enough chances to score or Quinn Ewers to really show that, you know, he could carry that momentum. All we saw was that 11 for 21 performance due to the 21 minutes that they had ball possession. Yeah. Well, Zay, I think it's time for the right call, my friend. Oh, let's get it. The right call. All right. So we're going to Colorado. The Colorado, Colorado State game was a lot tighter than we all thought. Norvell's team, they came to play. They played hard for their coach and took them to overtime. And Shadur Sanders, he was terrific. He took some huge shots in this game and he kept getting back up and kept making plays. So salute to him. But one of the biggest parts of this game, Chip, was Travis Hunter going out the game because Henry Blackburn decided to do a cheap shot hit, which, hey, I expect a lot of that this season with the way Dion's been talking and stuff. Like, these guys, there's some petty dudes out there, and Blackburn, shame on him for that hit. Now Travis Hunter's going to be out three weeks. And, you know, this guy, Chips, now be getting death threats. Like, everybody, we've been talking about it for the last two weeks, Everybody is on that Colorado bandwagon. Everybody feels like they graduated in Boulder and now they're wearing the black and gold and stuff like that. So that's America's team right now. Everybody's on that primetime train. And yeah, if you're Henry Blackburn and his family, nobody deserves this, but be careful if you want to do something cheap, especially to somebody like Travis Hunter, who's just getting a whole bunch of love, the two-way player, like besides Shadur and Dion, like he's the most popular player in the nation right now. And that was a cheap shot. So now dude's been getting death threats. They leaked his phone. They leaked his parents' house. Mom's getting death threats and stuff. It's pretty trashy, but it kind of just comes with the gig at this point especially with social media and just how easy it is to access folks. You know, it's a tough situation, but it's kind of like this is what you get. Norvell was talking. The dude did the cheap shot. I mean, she should have got thrown out the game. That's very odd that he didn't, but whatever. It's a rival game. I guess leave him in. But, yeah, now Travis Hunter is out for three weeks. These guys got Oregon next week. And, you know, 
that, that team looked vulnerable on Saturday, Chip, going into double overtime when, you know, Vegas spread was huge going Colorado's way. They looked vulnerable. And I think that now we're getting into week four and, you know, the hype is getting more. Game day there, big noon kickoff being there. The hype is just getting more and more pressure-wise. And this team, we all had them maybe winning four games, not even making the bowl game. So I don't know if their true colors are starting to show along with the pressure, but now you don't have Travis Hunter. I think this thing could go south very easily. Yeah. Yeah, I expect it to go – I expect it to get tough for Colorado here. Um, there's there's no doubt. And that hit just makes you cringe. Um, Colorado State self-destructed. They had that game won. And personal fouls in overtime. I mean, Colorado State played with physicality and intensity to a fault in in the uh in the overtime period or or late in the game i should say once they got the 11 point lead and and jay norvell's team was undisciplined what 16 penalties for almost 200 yards Mm. i mean that was that was uh that was something. I mean, for my son who goes to Colorado State and is now rooming with two guys from Colorado in Spain, he was like, God, blah, blah. what on earth happened? Well, Colorado State players lost their mind is what happened. Um, but man, that was, uh, that was, that was unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, there's Sanders, that dude, that he's getting a little carried away now. You know, I, <laughs> he's getting a little carried away. It's just the sunglasses, the watch, the watch. Like after the game, I'm just going Brady mode. Dude's like Tom Brady, Brady mode. You he's know, a friend. Throwing the, Ross, throwing the wrist up and stuff like that. It's like, dude, I get it. Pops, you're your you're, you're your daddy's son. I get it. I like I, this is really all you know. Your dad literally ranks his kids from like fifth to first. And he had Shiloh at fifth. That dude had a pick six. So I think he moved him up a couple. But yeah, you're definitely your daddy's son. So I shouldn't be surprised, but that's why you're you're hated in a way, like by these other teams. Like America loves you, okay, yeah. But the teams that play you, like I definitely, I'm not one for violence. I'm not one for cheap shots. I'm not one for bounty gate. Any of that stuff, absolutely not. But I'm not surprised that it's starting to happen because. Again, these teams that look at that Colorado and are like, man, all this hype they're getting, all this crap, and we ain't getting none of this love. Like, they're making our coach look like the villain, which he was. Jay Norvell was wrong for what he said. But still, like, you got to have your coaches back. And they did that. As bad as, you know, they blew it, 
they did have their coaches back and they played hard for them. But yeah, they just took it to a whole new level by the cheap shot and Shadur poking guys in the face and stuff, which he got slammed hard. Like he poked old boy in the face and old boy got him back later on. And he, they threw the flag on him because it was a rough in the passer call. But yo, I felt like old boy was like, I'll take it. It was worth it. <laughs> we ain't supposed to win this game anyway, Chip. Let me get this lick in. I right. don't like you, brother. You right. talk too much shit. I don't like you. So you know what? I'm going to – hey, you've been talking all game. I'm going to show you what's up. Let me lean all this 290 pounds on you, and I'll take the flag, whatever. But – but they got to protect themselves. If Colorado's going to do all this talking and have Lil Wayne come out and rap and stuff, and you got Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the building, like it's just an absolute circus. T.O. was there, Michael Irvin. They got comedians and stuff showing up, rappers, Cameron and stuff. It's just a circus. And it's so easy to be hated from that if you're going against them it's so easily to be motivated you know like oh man look at what they're trying to do here they're trying to show us up they're, they're trying to show us up they're trying to embarrass us like come on little wayne man they have little wayne coming out for dion like he was a professional boxer in the main event like i've never seen nothing like that in my life of course you're hated of course somebody's gonna do a cheap shot on one of your best players like y'all are doing the most right now and yeah again not for it it's definitely wrong but yo Dion and colorado the way that they're carrying themselves they're low-key kind of asking for it chip yeah i mean you look at uh you look at their schedule and they're probably going to get beat by Oregon this week. Yeah. They're probably going to get beat by USC the next week. Ooh. And then they'll get back to win it. At Arizona State, home against Stanford, at UCLA. But, yeah, the next two weeks, it's going to be some uh, – some humble pie, I think. Now, Colorado obviously plays up to the competition. They did that against TCU, played flawless. I mean, well, the defense gave up 42 points. but um, And that's where they're going to get in trouble. Without, without Travis Hunter, their defense is not, uh, not going to be able to hold up. But, hey, everybody's been all eyes on them. But, yeah, I think we're – we're getting ready for some uh, comeuppance. Yeah. You know? Another surprise around the nation. Well, not you, my friend, because you called this South Alabama 33 to what? Seven Oklahoma state. Mike Gundy playing his son. Like his son basically won the job. He was the one that got, the most, you know, clock and the most reps and stuff like Alan Bowman. I think that's over with like you lose the way you do to this South Alabama team. I get major Applewhite knows a little something about football, but wow, man, like watching that game, that's just a disgrace. Like they were up 23 to zero at one point. And they had that stadium, which usually is rocking. Like it's so close on top of you. They have an advantage that not a lot of 
universities do. And that stadium was just pitch quiet. And they let South Alabama come in and do that to them. Like, I don't know where Mike Gundy is, but it can't be good in Stillwater right now with that type of performance. No, no, sir. Um, I just can't believe he was still rotating quarterbacks like it was preseason. I mean, I thought, okay, he's he's trying to figure it out, but he's been rotating Alan Bowman, Garrett Rangel, and Gunner, his son, Gunner Gundy. He's been rotating them regularly, and none of them played worth a damn. <laughs> none of them. Their combined completion rate was below 50%. Wow. And no touchdown passes, one interception. I mean, Gunnar Gundy was 9 of 18 for 64 yards. Alan Bowman was 6 of 12 for 42 yards. And Garrett Rangel was 1 of 5 for 8 yards. That is a whopping combination of 16 for 35 for 114 yards and one interception. It seemed like Mike Gundy, it didn't matter who came and went. He always had a quarterback. He always had receivers. He always could put points on the board. And I think right now we're looking at a coach who has not optimized transfer portal well enough got victimized by the transfer portal nine starters left after last year and you look at their running game elijah collins nine carries for 31 yards like i don't know i don't know what i don't know what gundy's doing there yeah, they're down bad, and it sucks that the Horns don't get to play them this year and get some revenge. Like, that's such BS that they're going to have the last dub. But, yeah, they have some serious problems over there in Stillwater. And, you know, Gunner and Gundy, at least he ran for a couple of first downs. Like, he could use his feet. So, you know, he's a little bit, I guess, more – I don't know. You can weaponize them a little bit more than you can the other guys. Alan Bowman, the interception he threw, you and I could have picked that one off. Yeah. Like that was one of the worst throws ever. And then just the run game. They got absolutely dominated. Like South Alabama, 243 yards on the ground to Oklahoma State's 94. What? Like they can't stop nobody. Like does anybody have any pride? Like, that's one of those games. And I get Alabama, South Alabama, they are a tougher G5 team. Like, you wouldn't have called it for no reason. Like, they they are a tougher G5 team in the nation. But that's no excuse to get blown hey, out of your stadium when you paid them. Oh, yeah. To play you. Not a good look, Mike. Guess, who, look. guess who Oklahoma State plays this week? Who they got? The other team I put on upset alert from the Big 12 last week, Iowa State, who lost oh! to Ohio. Oh! And guess what? According that to terrible. ESPN's matchup predictor, Iowa State has a 64% chance of winning that game. Wow. That's going to be some sad football, man. Look, <laughs> I, 
Iowa State didn't get hosed, though. That kick was good. They made that. They got absolutely hosed. I don't know what they were paying those MAC officials for Ohio, but those dudes, how did they not see? Again, you're looking up. It clearly went in. Multiple angles it showed it went in. It was just a little high, but it went in. And both of those guys said no good. No good. And you lose by three? That was like, crazy. No wonder Matt Campbell was about to fight old boy that wasn't oh fired. Which, oh my come God. on, Matt. Come okay, on. Okay, so man. Zay is talking about this video went viral. Some Iowa State fan yelled at Matt Campbell that you're on the hot seat. <laughs> and Matt, Matt Campbell's like running into the locker room. And this fan yells, you're on the hot seat. And Matt Campbell came back looking to mix it up with that fan and like his team grabbed him and said, coach, we got to go to the locker room. But yeah, this thing is, this thing's a mess. And that was crazy that they call that, that there was so much indecision about whether that field goal was good or not. And they lose by three. (laughs) And now Iowa state is I mean, they're one in five in their last six games under Matt Campbell. Yikes. Gundy's team looks like it hasn't practiced all year. And those two teams are getting together on Fox Sports 1 at 3 o'clock on Saturday for the battle for last place. Yeah, I don't know if Fox Sports 1 has an Ocho channel, but that's where it needs to be on. That's getting some very quality TV time that could have went to somebody else that gives a damn because those two, those two teams, man, they're just – they're down bad. And Matt Campbell, shame on you, man. Like, I get it. You're pissed off. You got hosed and stuff like that. But, yo, you trying to go fight some guy – like, that's a part of the gig, man. When you yeah. signed up to be a head coach in the Power Five, you know if you don't do good, fans won't be happy, and they don't want you to be there. Doesn't mean you fight those people. You might want to. You don't actually try to. Like, the hold me back thing, like the tough guy, like, that's, yo, that's bat spit insane. Like, that's, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's, that's taking it to a, that's, some serious meathead like if tom herman saw that he'd be saluting matt campbell that's that type of stuff that's very toxic and again we've seen a lot of coaches get out of character we saw what happened with jimbo and nick saban a couple of years ago and that crazy deal that they had but go trying to be physical with somebody after you just lost to Ohio, not Ohio State. You lose to Ohio State. Okay, cool. That makes sense. You lost to Ohio State. The Bobcats, Ohio. <laughs> like, that's that's tough, man, especially with where Matt Campbell was. Like, Chris Bennett, he sent us those numbers of the money that he could have gotten paid if he would have went to Detroit when he could have. And instead, he stuck around. And I get it. You didn't expect, you know, Hunter Deckers to be Michael Jordan off the court. But, you know, (laughs) you didn't expect him to have a gambling problem, yet alone gambling on your games. But still, man, there's a certain professionalism that you have to carry as a head coach. 
And Matt Campbell did everything but that on Saturday. And that's a disgrace. And all Cyclone fans, they should feel real ashamed of not only that performance, but how their coach acted after that performance. Yeah. Man, college football just keeps you on your toes. But hey, let me let me tell everybody about where their new favorite Monday night happy hour spot is, because tonight it's Monday night football. All right. Listen, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking has all night happy hour on Mondays starting at three thirty all night. Starting with $5 appetizers, dollar off all oysters and drinks. Happy hour lasts until 6.30 the rest of the week, but all night on Mondays. So Monday night football tonight, you go to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking and thank us later because you're going to have the best seafood. You love oysters. This is your spot in Austin and Round Rock. Listen, on that happy hour, this is my man, Jack Gilmore, Jack Allen's Kitchen, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. This is great food and all night happy hour. Monday night, baby. Enjoy. Um, Zay, I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the, um, the NFL, I got to have it tonight. One of my picks was the Stillers covering against the Browns. I got to have it. Yeah, yeah. And, the Browns uh, are yeah. favored in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and obviously that goes with what the Browns showed last week, beating the team that got to the AFC championship last year, the Cincinnati Bengals, who might not be that good. Those guys are 0-2, but hey, the Bengals were 0-2 last year. And again, they got to the AFC championship game. So don't count Joe Burrow out, but they look different than they did last year. Joe Burrow, he got hurt again. And yeah, they got some different problems going on. But yeah, Deshaun Watson, he looked good in week one. Kenny Pickett did not. And Kenny Pickett had so much hype coming into the season because he was very good in the preseason. Well, Kenny, you were playing against guys that were just trying to make a roster, not already on a roster. So it's a big difference. And, you know, George Pickens, that's your guy tonight. I want to see Washington, the tight end from Georgia. I think he's an absolute hoss. And he's already making an impact blocking wise which we knew he would the dude's like 270 you know he's good he was making nick bosa work last week in their loss against the 49ers so if your first game is blocking nick bosa and you do a good job i think you're gonna be all right in the nfl now we just gotta see what he could do catching the ball which we didn't see that much at georgia because they have brock bowers but yeah kenny pickett has to be better we know mike tomlin you know always has winning seasons so they're gonna turn it around but you know miles garrett man that dude oh my gosh just what he was doing making life hell for joe burrow last week like he's an absolute problem and we all know when you double team a guy at leaves those other guys open to get sacks and make plays and stuff so yeah i'm oh man 
Well, you got you got oh, Cam, no. Cam Hayward is out for the Steelers. Deontay Ooh. Johnson is out. Yeah. You got um Pickens has a hamstring. He, he was limited in Saturday's practice. Amari Cooper is questionable for the Browns. Siaka Ika is questionable. Speaking of Baylor, former Baylor nose tackle. Um, in their right tackle, Jack Conklin suffered a torn ACL in week one. So both teams have some injuries, but I need Kenny Pickett to show up. And I need Najee Harris to run wild. I need Najee to go. I need Najee to go out Chubb, Nick Chubb. <laughs> and that yeah. might be a lot to ask because Deshaun Watson, if not for his love of massage parlors is a legit quarterback, but man. Yeah. And that last year, you know, he just couldn't get in the groove. You come back week 12 and everybody's playing and you're just trying to get acclimated, not only for your game, but to the new team and like what, you know, they expect out of you in a new system. That's different than what you you know, we're used to in Houston. And I think now having training camp there another year under his belt in Cleveland, you saw last week, he looked a lot more comfortable and, you know, and spurts, he looked a lot more like his old self. So again, if he could get back to his old self, look out, man, because that dude was a star before he got into all that crap. And again, if he could get back to that, then, and that's scary for the whole National Football League because that division became a lot tougher. Again, Mike Tomlin, he doesn't have many losing seasons. And, you know, that team, they're always going to be ready to play. They don't beat themselves very, very often. The Bengals, I expect them to pick it back up. And then you've got the 2-0 and Baltimore Ravens who they haven't even hit their stride really like Lamar Jackson. He's still trying to get back to that MVP form because last year he was dealing with all those um, injury problems and Odell Beckham. Of course he got hurt. It was just a matter of time. You hope that he can stay on the field, but he got an ankle injury in their game yesterday against the Bengals, but they still got the dub and yeah, that division, that's going to be a slobber knocker all year long. Don't count the Bengals out. And again, the Sean Watson, that dude, if he gets back to that form, boy, the league, hey, the league needs to be put on notice because that dude, when he's playing 100%, he's scary, not only with his arm but with his legs. Well, Zay, while we've been on the air, Michigan State University has informed head coach Mel Tucker they plan to fire him for cause, citing, quote, a body of undisputed evidence of misconduct that warrants termination, end quote. Now, Mel Tucker's going to sue Michigan State like crazy and fight like hell to get as much of that $80 million that's left on his deal. But man, talk about bad judgment. I don't care if you're in a relationship with someone I mean or you think you're in a relationship with someone who is a person who advocates against sexual harassment and you're on the phone with her rubbing one out 
Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, Mel Tonker, you're on a whole nother level of horny, man. And it's sad. Like, not too many brothers get the opportunity to be head coaches out here at Power Five places. And you had a grand opportunity and you threw it all away because you were horny. Are you serious hey, with hey, Zay, her? Zay, it's mm. undefeated, baby. <laughs> it's undefeated. Man. It is undefeated. <laughs> like he could, I know we're, we're done. We're, we're at five o'clock. We got our two hours in, but there's a lot of people. Like he has the money, all that money that he's suing for. You could pay people to be horny with, and it works. That's what out. Tiger people, did? Yeah, Tiger did it with his horny self. Come on, man! And you knew Tiger was going to be horny. His pops was horny with the Winnebago and all that stuff. Like it just runs in the family there. But Mel, come on, dog. You. Mel, 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 Mel. It hurts, man. Wow. It's undefeated, baby. <laughs> Took another one down. Took another one down. All right, we're going to take it down, folks. Hey, tomorrow, Chris Hummer, Hank South, we'll be talking college football. We'll be recapping probably my losing pick from tonight's Monday Night Football game. Go to uh, Salt Traders. Coastal cooking, baby. All night happy hour. That's right. And we'll see you tomorrow. Y'all be cool.